0: Testing 1, 2, 3. Testing 1, 2, 3. This is Radio Free Mormon. On the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, The Missing 16 Pages. While I was researching my last podcast, titled Daniel C. Peterson Defends His Honor, I stumbled upon something that was absolutely jaw-dropping to me. It is so important, in fact, that it deserves its own episode. Because what I discovered was up to this point unknown to me, and I believe it remains generally unknown to most members of the Church. And what it involves is evidence of additional hiding and suppression of documents by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints relating to its early history. I have been speaking in recent podcasts regarding Letter Book 1, which is the name of a book in the possession of the Church History Department and has been from the earliest days of the church. The reason it is called a letter book is because in early days, this book, when originally purchased, was basically what we would think of as a journal, such as the one you might buy at a store. It is a bound volume, it has a bunch of blank pages in it, and the pages are lined for ease of writing. These were widely available in Joseph Smith's day. And the reason it's called a letter book is because it was customary at the time. If you wanted to preserve a letter that you were writing to somebody else, you couldn't go make a copy at the nearest Xerox machine. Instead, you would actually have to copy by hand a letter that you were sending out before it was sent out so that you would retain a copy for your records. So what was done frequently and what was done in the early days of the church was that one of these books with a bunch of blank pages would be purchased and the letters would be copied into the book because one of the main purposes for these books was to copy the letters in, it was called a letter book. But of course, it lent itself to other purposes as well. It could be used as a journal, it could be used for a writing of history, and this particular letter book, which is called letter book one, because it is the first such letter book in LDS church history, was indeed used for multiple purposes. There were letters that were copied in it, there was also history that was written in it, and it was also used for purposes of a journal. Letter book one is the letter book that contained, at the very beginning, the 1832 account of Joseph Smith's first vision. This is the one that was written in Joseph Smith's own handwriting. So, immediately, here's an example of a letter book being used for something other than just for copying letters. Joseph Smith started using this for writing his history. These are the pages. That Joseph Fielding Smith or someone at his direction, sometime in the 1930s when Joseph Fielding Smith was not only an apostle in the church, but the church historian, cut out of the letter book and then hid in his safe where it remained safe, secure, unknown to the public, unavailable to the public, for three decades, until finally news of its existence was leaked to the public, and as a result, Joseph Fielding Smith, or someone at his direction, put those pages back into the letter book. and then that 1832 account was brought to the attention of a BYU student who was doing his master's thesis at the time, named Paul Chessman, so that it can be included as an appendix in his master's thesis, dealing with different accounts of the First Vision. Now, this First Vision account was contained on the first three leaves, of letter book one. Now, when we talk about a leaf in a book, we're talking about the actual piece of paper itself. That's the leaf in a book. But these are typically written on the front and on the back, just like in any regular book that we might read. There's one leaf, but it's written on front and back, so each leaf constitutes two pages. It was the first three leaves of the letter book that were cut out and put in Joseph Fielding Smith's safe, but it constitutes six pages of writing. This much we have gone over in a great deal of detail. What we have not gone over in detail and what is to my mind not only groundbreaking, but jaw dropping is the fact that those are not the only pages that were cut out of letter book one. In addition to the three leaves that were cut out of the beginning of letter book one, there were also an additional eight leaves that were cut out of the end of letter book one. Those were written on front and back. So we're talking about 16 pages that were cut out of the end of letter book one and which remain missing. To this day. These 16 pages were not blank. They were inscribed. They were written on front and back and yet they were cut out of Letter Book one and now nobody knows where they are. They have apparently been completely lost to history. So let me take you very quickly through the steps that led me to this discovery and also the documentation that supports this claim that I have just made. As I said, this came to my attention while I was doing my research on a couple of recent blog posts by Daniel C. Peterson in which he responded to my claim that he had misrepresented the facts when he stated there was no suppression relating to the First Vision accounts. And ironically, it was Daniel Peterson's own blog posts that led me to this discovery. Those two blog posts are published at his blog titled Sick at Non. One of them was published on June 9th, 2019. The second one was published on June 10th. 2019 the following day. I want to focus on the second of those blog posts titled, Returning Yet Again to the 1832 Account of the First Vision. In that blog post, Daniel Peterson writes, Moreover, while I'm open to the possibility that Elder Joseph Fielding Smith may have tried to hide or suppress the 1832 account of the First Vision, I'm not yet persuaded of it. The relevant Fair Wiki article is worth reading in this regard. Then he provides a link to the Fair Wiki article, which is an article written by Fair Mormon, in order to respond to the question, did Joseph Fielding Smith remove the 1832 account of Joseph Smith's first vision from its original letter book and hide it in his safe? I clicked on that link, as I'm doing now and looking at their summary answer which is it is not known who removed the pages from the book or why nor is it known when or why they were restored to the book this fair wiki article then quotes from the Joseph Smith papers project in which the historians and scholars there document the condition of letter book 1 now the reason they're quoting this is to talk about the missing three pages from the beginning of letter book 1 but fascinatingly This quote on the Fair Wiki article mentions not only the three leaves that were taken out of the front of Letterbook 1, but also an additional eight leaves that were taken out of the back of Letterbook 1. Let me read it to you. Photocopy and microfilm images of the book, as well as an inspection of the conservation work now present in the volume, indicate that the text block separated from the binding at some point. Also, the initial three leaves containing the history were excised from the volume. But suddenly, and unexpectedly to me, it now says this. The eight inscribed leaves in the back of the volume may have been cut out at the same time. Wait a second. What are you talking about? There's more than just the first three leaves that were cut out? Yes, an additional eight leaves from the back of the volume were cut out. And what they're saying here is that they may have been cut out at the same time. The note goes on, Manuscript evidence suggests that these excisions, both the three leaves and the eight leaves, manuscript evidence suggests that these excisions took place in the mid 20th century. In other words, when Joseph Fielding Smith was the church historian And probably in or around the 1930s, we know that the first three leaves were almost certainly cut out of the front of Letterbook 1 in the 1930s. And by the way, the reason that we know that is mentioned in the next lines of this note. A tear on the third leaf, that's on the third leaf of the first three leaves, a tear on the third leaf, which evidently occurred during its excision, was probably mended at the time. This tear was mended with clear cellophane tape, which was invented in 1930. So that's how we can date the excision of the first three pages in or around 1930 because we know it couldn't have been excised before 1930 because cellophane tape was not invented prior to that time. As I say, this note goes on to talk more about the first three leaves that were taken out and does not mention again anything about the eight inscribed leaves in the back of the volume which were cut out and probably around the same time as the first three leaves. Now the question comes to mind, how is it that they know that that the eight leaves in the back of the volume were inscribed. In other words, written on. Once again, the quote, the eight inscribed leaves in the back of the volume may have been cut out at the same time. Well, the reason can be found in the full notation. This is only a partial quotation at the Wikipedia article, a partial quotation of this article from the Joseph Smith Papers Project regarding letter book one. There is a link that is provided on the FAIR wiki page, which I'm going to click on now. And the link is titled history circa summer 1832 if you click that link it takes you to the joseph smith papers project where you can actually see an image of the book itself and you can go through the book and see images of the actual letter book one over to the right of this page you will see the title history circa summer 1832 if you look below that there is a link that says source note click on that link it begins j s which stands of course for joseph smith comma a History of the Life of Joseph Smith, Jr., etc., which is the very lengthy title of this document. Now go to the second paragraph. J.S.'s Circa Summer 1832, Circa, by the way, means at or around the time of, Joseph Smith's Circa Summer 1832 history was inscribed in the front of a medium-sized, commercially produced blank book. The book's ledger paper is horizontally ruled with 36, now faint, blue lines and vertically ruled with four red lines. Now, notice this next line. The original book apparently contained nine gatherings of 12 leaves each, but eight leaves have been cut from the final gathering. It then goes on. The text block was sewn all along over recessed cords, etc. There's the first mention of the eight missing leaves that had been cut from the final gathering, in other words, from the end of the book. It goes on with some detail to describe the construction of the book. The third paragraph is important because it gives us more information about the missing eight leaves, or 16 pages, at the back of the book. It states, The history was inscribed by Frederick G. Williams and Joseph Smith with quill pen in ink that is now brown, on the first three leaves of ledger paper. The first five pages of the history were numbered by Williams. Later, the book was turned over so the back cover became the front and the last page became the first. So let me take a second to describe to you what it's talking about. If you've got a blank book that is bound and all it has in it is blank lined pages, such as letter book one, you can basically choose which side is going to be the front of the book. Now with a regular book that's already published like a Stephen King novel or the Book of Mormon or any book that you can think of, you don't get to choose which is the front. It's already been chosen for you because that's where the front cover of the book is with the title of the book printed on it. And that's where you have to open it up in order to read the book. With a blank book, however, you can choose which side is the front. You can either open it from one side to make it the front or if you want to make the other side the front, you simply flip the book over and turn it around and now you can make the other side the the front simply opening it there and now you've got the blank line pages and you can write there this is what was done with this letter book so once again the article states that the joseph smith papers project later the book was turned over so the back cover became the front and the last page became the first. Let me pause here briefly to interject a comment of my own. I'm not sure how it is that the scholars at the Joseph Smith Papers Project can be certain that the writing in the back of the book was done later or after the writing in the first part of the book. It seems that under the circumstances, it is equally as likely that the writing that is missing in the back part of the book was done before the writing in the first part of the book. What I am suggesting is that... The 16 pages that are missing could contain an earlier record that predates the first part of the book. Going on with the article. One or more texts were inscribed in this side, the back of the book, as is evident from inscriptions visible on the remaining stubs of the eight now excised leaves. So what this means is that, at some point, this letter book was flipped over, turned around, the back was made the front and somebody wrote something on the first eight leaves. In other words, the first 16 pages of the new front of the book. It's called the back of the book because they're establishing the other side as the front, but this is a new front to the book. Now, if the missing 16 pages had been taken out of the end of the record, in other words, if we had writing that led up to the missing 16 pages, we could at least know what was leading up to what was lost. We might have an idea or at least be able to conjecture as to what could possibly have been on those missing 16 pages. But under the circumstances, we can't know what was on those 16 pages except that it was doubtless, something that related to the history of the church. So, these missing 16 pages are not at the end of something we know. They're at the beginning of something that we don't know. We have no clue as to what is on those 16 pages. The answer to how it is that we know that they were inscribed is given here. Because whoever cut these 16 pages out of the back of the book did not do a clean cut. In other words, there is some little bit of writing left along the narrow edges that remain in the binding where the cut happened. You will recall that a similar thing happened with the three-leaves At the front of the book when they were cut out and that was part of the reason that they were able to absolutely identify with certainty where these three leaves came from in the book because not only did the tear match up but also the little bits of writing that were left on the narrow edges of the leaves that remained in the book from when they were cut out matched up with the writing that was on the leaves that had been excised so they could fit it together and see that it was a perfect match. Once again the quote from the article One or more texts, you see, they can't read what the texts were. They don't know if it's one long text taking up all of the 16 pages or multiple shorter texts that comprise 16 pages. So they say one or more texts were inscribed in this side, the back of the book, as is evident from inscriptions visible on the remaining stubs of the eight now excised leaves. And that's all it has to say about those eight missing leaves there. And now we get to the fourth paragraph of the article, which is the paragraph that is quoted in the Fair Wiki article that sent me here. A reconstruction of the physical history of the artifact helps explain the current material context of the document. Photocopy and microfilm images of the book, as well as an inspection of the conservation work now present in the volume, indicate that the text block separated from the binding at some point. Also, the initial three leaves containing the history were excised from the volume. And now, once again, the quote about the eight missing leaves that led me here in the first place. The eight inscribed leaves in the back of the volume may have been cut out at the same time. Well, the question I had was, where are these missing pages now? This is early, early, church history. This is letter book one. This is the letter book in which Joseph Smith began his first attempt to record the church history and which he recorded in his own hand, the earliest account of the first vision. But at some point back in the summer of 1832 or so, this same book was flipped over, turned around, the back was made the front, the first 16 pages were written in, and then sometime around the 1930s, Joseph Fielding Smith discovered something written on the last 16 pages of Letter Book 1 that he didn't want to be available for public consumption and those pages were cut out of and removed from letterbook one, just like the first three leaves were. We know that the first three leaves ended up in Joseph Fielding Smith's safe, and they were only released because three decades later, knowledge of their existence was leaked to the public. But what happened to these last 16 pages? That was my question. Have they been found are they published somewhere else? Is there any way we can know what was contained on them? Now, going back to this article at the Joseph Smith Papers Project, if you look at the sentence, the eight inscribed leaves in the back of the volume may have been cut out at the same time. And then it says, Manuscript evidence suggests that these excisions took place in the mid-20th century. Right between those two sentences is a footnote. It's footnote 3. If you click on footnote 3, it brings up a note that says, These eight leaves have not been located. They are gone. They cannot be found. Now I am inclined to believe that this note that the eight leaves have not been located is probably truthful and correct. Now I mean if the scholars at the Joseph Smith Papers project were really trying to cover this up, I do not think that they would have told us about their existence and the fact that these 16 pages or eight leaves were cut out of the back of Letter Book one. Is it possible that these eight missing leaves Are somewhere else in the church historian's office somewhere buried in the archives, like the Ark of the Covenant at the end of the first Indiana Jones movie? I suppose it's possible, but the church archives in the past 50 years has been revolutionized and brought up to date and become quite professional. So I expect that they have gone over their entire inventory of archives and they are fully aware of everything that is in their possession. Is it possible that it's stuck away in some book and just hasn't been seen? Yes, it's possible. I just think it's unlikely. It appears to me that based upon the current evidence, these eight inscribed leaves from Letterbook 1 were excised at or around the time of the first three leaves being excised. But instead of the first three leaves being safely secured in Joseph Fielding Smith's safe and then released to the public, these eight inscribed leaves no longer exist in the church archives, which likely means that at some point after these eight leaves were cut out of the end of letter book one, they were removed from the church office building and or destroyed. And whether they exist now outside the church historian's office or were subsequently destroyed is anybody's guess. It is interesting in this regard to recall that one of the apologetic arguments related to the removal of the first three leaves by Joseph Fielding Smith and storing them in his safe was that he wasn't really suppressing them because if he had really wanted to suppress them, he wouldn't have just put them in his safe, he would have destroyed them. Well, if Joseph Fielding Smith had destroyed those first three leaves, the evidence that would remain of that fact is exactly the evidence that we have remaining for the last eight leaves of Letter Book One. We would know that there were eight leaves that were inscribed front and back for a total of 16 pages. We would know that they had been cut out of Letter Book One sometime around the mid 20th century when Joseph Fielding Smith was a church historian, and we would know that they have not been located. So those are the facts that we have. What actually happened to these missing eight leaves is anybody's guess. All that we know for sure is that Joseph Fielding Smith or someone at his direction cut out the first three leaves of Letterbook One and stored them in his safe and prevented other people from seeing them for three decades until news of their existence was leaked to the press. And in addition to that, somebody at or around the same time cut out the last eight leaves from the same letter book and those leaves have not been located. It is reasonable to surmise that the reason Joseph Fielding Smith cut the first three leaves out of letter book one was because he was concerned about the strange account of the first vision that was contained on those pages. We are left to wonder what on earth was contained on the last eight leaves of the same book, those last sixteen pages, that were of such concern that they too were cut out of letter book one, but were apparently not preserved in Joseph Fielding Smith's safe or anywhere else, and were removed from the church archives and are now lost to history. And where they are today, only heaven knows. And that, dear listener, is the story of the 16 missing pages. So the next time you hear Elder Ballard, or anybody else for that matter, assure you that church leaders have never hidden any church history from any of the members. And just to take their word for it, you can just smile and say you'll take their word for it as soon as they can tell you what was written on those missing 16 pages. That's about all for tonight. Until next time... This is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air.